Yes, thank God, it is a good day. Um, so I like your shirt very much. Tell me about it. Well, um, you're the, actually the first person that I'm sharing this with on, you know, on the podcast, social media, blah, 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 circuit, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's the House of Faith and Fashion t-shirt. It's the cover of the book. It's my beautiful, wonderful Elizabeth Sutton, who actually captures the essence of me. And in the back, actually, I'm going to go get the back. Okay. I'll turn around. The back is my new logo. Wow, it's really nice. It's like a door, you know, like a very, very fancy door, um, um, like, you know, how somebody puts their address on a door because this is the house of faith and fashion. And you can see also, I don't know if you see up close, it's got the angel wings. Yeah. It's faith and fashion and the double F. So I'm very, very excited to debut my T-shirt. So, you know, after after the absence of, me, of, of being um, in the fashion industry for 40 plus some odd years, I guess I'm back, you know, like Godfather episode where they go, just when you thought <laughs> I was out, they drag me back in. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I'm and going to make the, uh, the great contacts that I have at New York Fashion Week and all the people involved in New York Fashion Week because I, you know, the debut should be officially during New York Fashion Week. So I'm very excited. Amazing. So back up a little. So this is your book that recently came out, but you were in fashion. Yes, it's beautiful. You were in fashion for a long time and you tie them together. Faith, faith, all faiths or Judaism specifically? Well, it's uh, Judaism specifically, but uh, I'm going to backtrack with you. Um, I um, have been in, in top-level positions in the fashion industry for the last 40-some-odd years, uh, which is a very, very long time. You know, back when they didn't even have Instagram, they didn't have social media, they didn't have cell phones. You know, back in the day. Um, when, you know, when a runway show was all, you know, was the media that was, you know, the, the most popular way of going. But anyway, um, I've um, been in the fashion industry in many different wonderful positions um, with top-level companies like Victoria's Secret, JCPenney, Kmart, Nicole Miller. I also um, was part of a team that developed the first urban, the, the first hip-hop urban brand straight to go to Kmart and went up against the big boys like Fat Farm and Fubu. And um, and uh, I see Damon now on Shark Tank and I laugh and go, at least I beat you at something. I beat you at an exclusive for Kmart. Um, and I've also produced many fashion shows for New York Fashion Week. Um, and been involved in every aspect of the fashion industry you could probably think of. Um, and the, the faith part of it is, you know, I've been in that my entire life. I was raised, uh, you know, as an Orthodox. Okay, I know that's a good buzzword right now. I know everyone's using it. So let me market myself as well, because that's who I am. Um, I, was, uh, I was raised Orthodox. Um, as a matter of fact, I also uh, went to Beis Yaakov, which is um, now the, you know, the buzzword 
of the of the moment. So you know, I've got all the Netflix buzzwords right now, but I'm actually I've actually lived this, so been there, done that. Um, and uh, it happens to be that I was raised in Kewarden Hills, in the Orthodox community in Kewarden Hills. Um, uh, but uh, another good part of my uh, immediate family is in Borough Park, and is you know it's really authentically Hasidish. Um, and I uh, kind of also, I, you would say that I, I rebelled. Um, I rebelled because I wanted to know more about my Judaism, and I really didn't buy into the fact that I had limitations. Um, and I, you know, went into the garment industry, and I, you know, in these, in these incredibly wonderful positions, and then, but also in my track of life, um, I was in Robinson. Um, I'm still a representative, um, you know, was married to a rabbi and then and then broke another glass ceiling and became ordained myself. So I've got a double title of representative and rabbi. So I dare you to find somebody that's got a double title. Wow. Who's orthodox, who's been in the fashion world for 40 plus years and, and all that. Um, so uh, I combined all that because it really the truth is I've been living in the house of faith and fashion my entire life. You know, I built it from from uh, from scratch, you know, from the foundation up, and uh, and I kept putting on new and exciting, you know, say annexes to this great to this great house. Um, and what happened was is that I started the I, I started the concept of doing it public, like you know, voicing voicing who I was instead of just living it, but actually you know speaking it by starting a series called the House of Faith and Fashion when I was a Revitan. Um, I was, I was, I was, you know, had classes about teaching the, 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 the God-given talents of creativity to even fashion designers, because I thought that was, that would be like the most glamorous way of learning Judaism. And yes, the answer is, it's mostly is about Judaism, but then again, you know, um, I, you know, one of my closest friends who is, um, is uh, is christian you know is the editor of this book and actually loves this book because you know if you're a believer of the of let's say we'll call it the old testament for a lack of a better word um then you'll understand that the, you know i'm talking about you know common ground which is god um and so i i started this this very popular series in which i would sit down with top fashion designers and ask him just an opening question, do you believe that your talent is God-given? And you would not believe how appreciative, how appreciative these designers were that I spoke to them as a creative soul rather than what did you do this season and what I'm going to wear. And you're only as good as, you know, whatever it is that you produce, you know, every six months for me or basically every four months for me. You know, you're only as good as what your design is or how hot your label is. I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in, let me talk to your soul. As in, you say in Hebrew, you have Shama. You have a creative soul inside. Let me talk to that. And that really went over tremendously big. And then I then I produced, I'm going to say been there, done that, produced a TV show called The House of Faith and Fashion, a reality show in which I took that talk show concept on a broader scale. Um, unfortunately, um, at the time, um, we were supposed to be on NBC nonstop, and NBC nonstop went out, you know, went out of business. And it was a hard concept to shop at the time when screaming, yelling, and pulling out, you know, your co-star's weave 
and uh, turning over a table was really what they wanted. So I, uh, you know, having faith and understanding the, the concept of the, of the duality, living harmoniously together, was not what they wanted. So, you know, God gives you tests in life, and it depends on what you do with your tests. And the final test for me to go, okay, I now have to write this book was, um, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed with uh, uterine cancer, stage four uterine cancer. And that to me, I took that as the sign of, you know, God was saying, you know what, you better put your pen, your purpose to pen right now. And this is how you have to teach the world how to combine the creative process with the divine process. And that's the book. The book was a lifetime in the works as far as living it and breathing it. But it took, or it took this kind of, we call it a medical awakening. Is that a good word? Yeah. Um, and, and, and then I, I wrote that book. I wrote that book during all my chemotherapy, my operation, my recovery. And thank God I'm talking to you now, my, you know, my complete recovery. How, I want to go back a little tiny bit because I think that, yeah, most people don't, I think, non-Jews don't know that females can also be rabbis. Well, okay. You see, this, this is like, this is also like a tricky situation because, you know, um, I started my process of being um, a rabbi simply because I actually wanted revenge on the person I was, I was actually the person that was divorcing me who happened to have been a rabbi. I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and tell you this, you know, I had, you know, I had a calling and all of a sudden it's what I wanted to do. But, um, because in, in, in my world, um, it is taboo. Um, it is questionable. Um, it's become, the doors are opening wider and wider as, you know, as certainly as I have seen in the last, I'm 63 years old, certainly I've seen the last 63 years. Um, how how Jewish women in in spiritual roles have become much much more active and more accepted. Um, however, an actual rabbi in the Orthodox world and the Orthodox and to the right of all that is still not accepted. Mm -hmm. um, however, with my family situation, which is what I actually address in the book, um, is that um, I went and asked my family's permission to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if, we, if I could paint the scene from you, it was, it was, you know, Hanukkah of 2011, and I was at my family's, you know, annual party in Borough Park, in part of Borough Park, and I walk into this house, and, you know, there's kids all over the place, and there's a huge dining room table, and there's a lot of food, and this is, you know, anything that you think is characteristic of what that place should look like, it does. You know, at, sitting at the head of the table is my uncle, <laughs> My uncle may he rest in peace, an enormous man, um, sitting, of course, at the head of the table, watching everybody, his entire family. And I got up and said, okay, listen, I have an announcement to make. And everyone was like, oh, my God, what now? Um, and I said, I want to become a rabbi. And I really thought that my uncle was going to kill me. I mean, I thought it was like, there's no way, oh, my God, how can you do that? But you know what? He was, he, he was less smart than me. He got up, he banged on the table, slammed on the table, and, and my, my Jewish name is Tobaleya. So I knew if I'm getting being called Tobaleya, that means, you know, he's talking to also to myself. And he said, Tobaleya, if everything you've been through, because I've just been through a really bad public divorce, 
Yes. If everything you've been through, you still want to learn Torah, go ahead. And I'll support you, but you better be the best at what you are. Wow. And I said, whoa. And, you know, experience and years taught me how brilliant that was because he knew that if I kept studying, I would fall back in love with my religion mm -hmm. and I would understand more. And that if he didn't, if he, if, he, if he went against me, that I would take a rebellious tone, I would do things and burn down what was behind me. So I, I so appreciate that type of love that I got from my family, including, you know, I practice my sermons with my father every, you know, every week. My father was extremely, extremely religious, may rest in peace. And exactly what they thought was going to happen is what happened. So my, my, my revenge became my salvation. That's great. Yeah. Um, with religious, I mean, I, obviously, depending where you are along the spectrum, I think that a lot of people in general don't understand that being Jewish, there's so many different spectrums of it. So like you could be Orthodox, you could be, you know, um, modern, you could be wherever, reform, you could be wherever you are, um, as long as you have that faith, right? So as long as you have it in your heart or in your soul, as you, as you put it, I guess. Well, you know, I, 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 it's a very, you're asking really good questions. Thank you. Um, but you know, my mind is going in 20 different directions because I'm going Jewish law because I'm not, you know, I'm going everything in there because they're all spinning all at the same time. But okay, so I'll, I'll just try and put everything together in my head with one, you know, you can't make one say, I'm going to say, I'm going to start my, I'm going to start that answer with unfortunately, unfortunately, we have too many sects and labels within Judaism that nothing really is clear. So if I said to you that I'm Orthodox, there's hundred subdivisions of what I could say. When I grew up, um, it was a lot clearer than, than, than it is today. It, the, the waters got so muddy that, you know, you're gonna have to tell me, are you, you know, are you a black hat? Are you this, are you that? Do you have a white tablecloth? Do you have a green tablecloth? So it's become so, it's become so, um, I I muddy. I You're right. It's mud. It's mucky water. I can't even use the word labels. I can't even use that. It's just. It's. It's altogether. It, it actually makes me crazy because I don't even know what that means anymore. So when someone says orthodox, I don't even know what that means. So and and everyone seems to be in conflict with each other. However, um, I do have to say that you know, in a case of somebody trying to define who they are, my suggestion is that whatever it is that you practice within Judaism, I, I urge you to learn more about how rich Judaism is. So if you're reformed, don't say, you know, I'm reformed, I'm just, you know, I'm not gonna do Shabbos, I'm not doing it. Learn how important these things are, and especially for, which is, it seems to be the, the twisted part now, is the, the role of, of, of the female within Judaism. Mm. Um, we, I, I think we've been so um, inundated with negative images and negative things, you know, we're baby making machines, we're this, we're that, we're that. 
it's so not true if you do your homework, if you got to do your homework. Just because someone tells you one thing, that's, you know, that is not the, the absolute answer. And we're living at a time where I don't feel people feel that there is such a great authority out there that they can go to and get the absolute answer. We're living at a time where you, you, you need to do your own homework, just like with everything in this life. You need to do your own homework. Someone tells you to take a vaccine, do your own homework. Someone tells you about COVID, do. If you did your homework about Judaism, much as you did your homework about COVID and the vaccine, that, that, that would be wonderful. That would be great. But of course, the essence of, uh, of, of Judaism is that, you know, there is, there is only one God, and that's God, you know, and that's, you know, God up above. And how you worship him, and how you, you know, there are rules and regulations to how you, just like anything in life, there's rules and regulations to anything that you do. So, to answer the, your question is, unfortunately, that's my answer. Uh, okay, fair. I mean, it's, it's, it's valid. It's not, um, I think that it goes back to, you know, depending where you are and whatever you've been through, you have your belief or for whatever reason, do your 100%. research. Do your, do your homework, do your homework and then challenge yourself not to be judgmental. That's, that's the big test. Yeah. That's, I think, the that's the ultimate test is yeah, that's the ultimate test. That one. Don't, be judge, don't be judgmental. Actually be, you know, be open. Open-minded. Yeah. When you first found out that you, well, one, how did you find out that you had stage four cancer? Like how, because do you even feel it there? That sounds like a weird question, but I, um, no, I, I, you know what the truth is? I found out through a, through a totally like different means. Like, you know, I was, you know, I was walking this way and something that way got my attention. I, I had fluid on my, in between my lungs and, and chest cavity last September, actually the previous September during the high holidays, I was sitting in synagogue and I was very, very uncomfortable. I thought that perhaps maybe I had COVID or, you know, something along those paths. I went to, you know, I went to a pulmonary specialist and I did have fluid there. And as part of the procedure, they take the fluid and they send it out to the testing just to make sure. And, but, you know, they drained the fluid. I was on, you know, I was on and I felt better and then I got a call from the doctor and said you know you better come in because there's something wrong and after finding that there was you know that there was cancer cells within the fluid um then you know we went along the process of where is it coming from so on and so forth and the final diagnosis didn't come until um December so a couple and months later then, and then yeah and then the journey started and then the book started so you know the book, the journey, and you know, there's nothing like being t you know told that you, you go, oh my god, I, I really better you know pick my butts and start you know doing what I really always wanted to do, and let's just do this. So, what do you think? In general, is it really is that right? Like so few people just take life by the horns and say, I want to you know get that fire under my butt. I want to do this. I'm going to do it until something so frightening happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a test. God is only, you know, you, you can't walk out of this life without being tested. Um, and it, there's a message behind the test. You just have to find it. It's not easy to do because you could always, you can cave into it and just make the disease your purpose. You know, just go, you know, because it could be all encompassing. It could take you over. 
but I chose not to do that. I looked at it, you know, I tapped into what, you know, my faith. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't tell you that I wasn't scared in the beginning. I can't tell you that I just, you know, just went right into this. I went through my process of basically, you know, what do you mean? How, do, how can you do this to me? What could I do? Didn't I just go through A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, you know, why do I have to do this? But that didn't accomplish anything. So after I got through my hissy fit, you could say that, you know, um, I, you know, I then went, okay, I, I guess I have to write this book. It was, it was, it, it was actually extremely clear to me only after I went through my entitlement, you know, you know, terrible twos tantrum. And when you were fighting through it, how long, one, how long was that process from as soon as you were diagnosed to, I guess, your so clear was, treatment? Yeah, it was December until um, a month ago. Oh, so, so recently. What is your... What was your, like your, obviously you had to create this rock armor mentality, right? Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be fine. I will be, you know, this kind of, I don't know about mantra, but like, oh yeah, yeah. Did, what was your, what was your, um, my, my first um, thing is when I decided that um, my project or my, at that point, I thought it was my legacy because you don't know. I mean, you know, okay, let me let me understand that this might be my, you know, magnum opus. This might be it. So what am I going to leave behind? Um, um, and aside from, of course, I have a wonderful daughter, but like, what, you know, what did your mom do? Um, and uh, after that, I gathered 14, I call them my prayer work. Uh, 14 of my very, very close friends who happen to be all powerhouses within within different industries. And I put them together, and they fortified me the entire way. The entire way they fortified me. If not, if they didn't get, you know, there was a Torah class before each and every one of my chemo treatments. There was constant Tehillim psalms being said about me. There was a big, there was a challah bakes. It was everything, and then every essay and every page that I wrote, I sent it to them. I'm like, okay, because they wanted to know, okay, what'd you write today? What'd you do today? What'd you write today? What'd you do today to get this accomplished? Are you finished with chapter one? Are you finished with chapter two? Did you go see this? Did you do that? So they pushed me, even when I didn't want to be pushed. Um, I mean, I'll give you a clear example. I mean, this, you know, this cover, which is, I, I, I love this cover, but this cover, I, I wish I could tell you, you know, I did this whole thing, this is all me. It's not. Um, the truth is, this cover was shot round three of chemotherapy. When I was in Mount Sinai, I hooked up for six hours to chemotherapy, laying down in a hospital bed with my doctor behind me. I'm on an iPhone on FaceTime in to Miami, where Elizabeth Sutton, who, who came up with the concept of this, who is, shoot, who is me, doing the essence of me, with my, actually, with my shaker lady, who's there with the makeup team and the hair team, over and, and a photographer that another friend of mine got shooting the cover while I'm in chemotherapy. My doctor said, who does this? I mean, kidding me? I thought, and she thought I was kidding when I said, I'm, I, what do you do? I'm writing a book. Not, you know, okay, I'm writing a book. Nobody believed me. But the truth is, that is that's the power of the, the women that I, that I surrounded myself with. 
being having said that, that example, those women are all different versions of Judaism and all different versions of Christianity. So, um, but the common denominator in all of them is their absolute belief in God. Mm. Absolute. I mean, it's like I'm praying. To, you know, he's your doctor. Don't listen. You know, don't get discouraged. We're praying for you. And I, I felt fortified. So that you're asking me, what was my what, what did I have? I had them, and I had my husband, you know, like in charge of you know my medical team and everything else. And I know that you know the doctors, everything would be taken care of. My daughter, um, who also took care of it. So I had my family, the core of my family, and I had my I call them my prayer warriors. I wouldn't do anything without them, and I couldn't do anything without them at that time. And they, if I can tell you, the encouragement was not normal, which goes to show you that women can be encouraging to other women without, you know, my very extremely orthodox, I wouldn't say the name, in Muncie with her, with her stockings that have seams in the back. She didn't say to me, oh, you know, uh, she didn't judge me. I don't judge her. She's like, no, I'm praying for you. I'm doing this for you. You're going to get that. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. On the other side of the spectrum, I had somebody who's Christian that said, I, I don't care. It's all, there's all one God, and we have a faith in God. This is your way. This is my way. I've respected you all your life, but now you need me. We all need to be together mm-hmm. to make you well. Yeah. So I wish the whole world got along like basically. And, and the fun thing is, is that on June 14th, I had a, I had a it's called a Suda Tova, which means a banquet of thanks. Um, to God for being alive, really, and I and I had it in my backyard, and I had my prayer warriors, and even my husband couldn't believe the type of women that I got together. It, it was not. It, it, it was. It, I wish there was a camera there because it was just not believable. Because it went from Satmar Hasidish to I, I'm going to call her like she is probably the most important. Black female in media, okay. The spectrum and everybody danced together, and everyone danced in the rain and celebrated. Just I'm alive, and how thankful I am to these women for for making sure that I love them. Yeah, it's amazing. There's something about belief, and when you can, I guess you know, in this specific instance, they all had the the greater belief, and the you know the hope the the faith that you would be fine right like that and it makes you wonder why in life in general we can't just have that for one another like why is there this especially with women and i'm sure you've seen and i'm sure you've lived through it where women are just so nasty like they're jealous and it's just in the in the fashion industry too i'm sure it's been like the, you know, the fashion industry, uh, you know, it's got a bad rap. Um, but, you know, if you read my book, you'll see just how connected faith really is in fashion, you know, how faith in fashion really is. I mean, God, you know, I, my first essay is about the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Met Ball, in which I've commented on numerous times on national TV. And um, I, you know, I, 
that I talk about actually Heavenly Bodies, which was the high, most highly attended exhibit that the Met has ever had, the costume exhibit Met has ever had up until today. And when I walked out of there, I, I, I was floored by how beautiful the, the, the church vestments were, you know, and all of the designer's interpretations of what I was, absolutely beautiful, I'm not saying that. I walked out of there and said, don't they know? that this is two chapters in Leviticus, that God was the first couturier, that the high priest's outfit and, and, and jewelry was so intricately detailed that don't they know this is where this is all coming from? I mean, you even look at it, it's even, you know, you could say, oh, you could say, oh, you know how one designer knocks off another designer and say, hey, where'd you get the inspiration from? This all comes from God. <laughs> so so why not? why not? Why not pay tribute to that instead of thinking this is all you? Yeah. So that's why, you know, the, the job, the, the really the job that I had with this book was, is to make sure that everybody understands that you can elevate the creative process to divinity because that's, he's, he's the first creator. Is there anything more beautiful than the pattern of a tiger? You didn't make it. I didn't make it. Mm -hmm. You said maybe. You know, um, it, it, Karl Lagerfeld didn't. So why not pay tribute to the first master couturier? Could you ever really duplicate the colors of, of nature? You could try, but yeah, you're right. You're right, absolutely. But don't do you see this weird thing where it's like you're not supposed to talk about God and religion? It's like one of those subjects. Like you're not supposed to talk about politics. You're not supposed to talk about. Do you see I, it with religion? I, um, I see within this country that is becoming, um, uh, certainly isn't trendy. What's, tre what's now trendy is, you know, I can be whatever I want, I can say whatever I want, and my opinion is more valuable than yours, and if you don't agree with it, then I'm gonna cancel you. Um, I, I see that, and I don't, and, you know, you know, part of, part of being an unorthodox, orthodox, rebellious, or whatever it is you wanna label it is, I don't care what people I'm going to talk about God. I don't care what people say. I'm going to praise God. I'm, I don't care what people say. I'm going to praise God because I'm Jewish. So I don't care. Yeah. No, it is. It's well, and you know, my husband and I talk about it because we have one little one and he's from Israel and I grew up with a Chabad. And so we're, you know, we found what works for us being Jewish and, you know, raising and having a Jewish family. But it's interesting being in New York City where I think it's the highest Jewish population outside of Israel. And it's still, people are so confused. And you know, and I get that because how would they know unless they do their due diligence? And I don't expect anyone to know, but it's just, it's an interesting thing how it's so taboo to talk about it. It's crazy, but you know, just by what you said, why wouldn't somebody wanna know? I mean, really, when you think about it, when you rent your apartment, do you read your lease? <laughs> I mean, some people do, some people don't, I guess. Right, but I'm, I'm sure they do. But wouldn't you say it's in your best interest to know? I mean, if you're if you're if you're buying appliances, do you read the manual? Uh, if you go to IKEA and you buy a piece of furniture, do you not read or how to put it together, or you just go? I don't want to talk about it. Well, and that's the thing, though. People don't want to talk about it. That's the problem. That's exactly what you're saying, which is why it's well, so. Which, which is why I'm so happy that I wrote the book, and and that it's and that it's got such a tremendous um, response because it's like okay, I never really thought about it that way, and when they read it, they go, wow, 
You mean um, I don't I, I I don't have to I don't have to actually choose one way or the other. I don't have to sacrifice one in order in order to have the other. I can actually appreciate the fusion between both. And I talk, you know, I I've got in there top fashion editors and chief rabbis, and I cha- I really challenge anybody that could actually put those two subjects together harmoniously in a book and go, okay, I could talk to the chief rabbi of Moscow, uh, uh, you know, about. Jewish femininity, and I I also can talk to a top fashion editor from Forbes and say, you know, what do you think about, how do you think that Rosh Hashanah relates to the cover of a magazine? You know, we have that, we have that discussion. Is it impossible? Does God want you to look like that Photoshop cover? Does he he want you to be imperfect? Don't you understand that being imperfect and not Photoshop is the way God wants you? Don't come to me perfect, because perfect's not real. So, where else can you have that discussion? We, we, you could read about that in such a way where you can go, wait a second, okay, I get that. I get that I can wear, you know, it's like I have an obsession with Manolo Blahnik shoes and I talk about it in my in my book. But I also understand that within Judaism, shoes are cool. And I learned about it. When to wear shoes, when not to wear shoes, the importance of shoes, even Judaism even tells you which, which shoe to tie first. And then second, but because they're they're holy objects, so hey, and my Manolo Blahniks are holy. I, you know, that's why. You know, go ahead and pray, you know, just go. Hey, you know what? I love them. But yes, Judaism touches on everything, and there are rules about everything because God created everything. But that doesn't mean you can say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this. Just go do what I want. I don't really care. I don't want to really know. And you're losing out on so much. You're just losing out on so much, especially, especially Jewish people. Oh, God, read the book. You'll understand that oh, they're, they're, it's just, yeah, the concept of beauty and how important beauty was to God, that it was the you know, Jewish women that gave their mirrors to the Holy Temple. And even Moses said, what do I need from these crazy, frivolous things, God? You, what, really, you want me to take their mirrors? I mean, what do they do with these mirrors? And God said, you don't understand how important these mirrors are? If it wasn't for the Jewish women beautifying themselves in the mirror and seducing their husbands because their husbands didn't want to have anything to do with having another generation, there would be no Jewish people. I mean, that's an incredibly powerful thing to know. Yeah, it is. The contribution was huge, huge, huge. And, it was, and, and that contribution had to do with beautification and seduction. Yeah, I mean, well, unless you know history, it's going to repeat itself, right? So that's part of learning about history. And it's learning, you know, you can you can call it history, you can call it whatever you want. It's totally yeah, it's in the total. and in the importance of it, how you package things and how you present things is, is tremendously important. I mean, in fashion marketing, isn't it how you package things that matters? Same thing with religion, same thing with Judaism. If you package something where, you know, you're not allowed to be beautiful, you're not allowed to look attractive, you got to hide yourself, you have to, like, you know... Why do you think that's how it's packaged? Excuse me? Why do you think that's how it's packaged? I can't can't relate... I, I can't give you the absolute answer only to say, from watching, you know, for 63 years of watching, I've got 63 years of observation, the the lack of control equals the means to control. When 
when society gets more and more highly sexualized, the other side is going to go in the other direction. It's almost like if you squeeze both ends of a toothpaste, you're going to have a blow up in the bathroom sink eventually. And that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a blow up at some point, but it's becoming a real struggle. You know, it's another essay that I address um, in this in this book. It's also, you know, I talked to a top um, plastic surgeon, you know, the celebrity plastic surgeon, and we talk about, you know, how do you feel that, you know, you're altering God's image? You know, how do you, you know, what are you doing? Um, and we have this discussion, and, and how the subject is brought up is there is now a battle within even for just Jewish women, whereas the ultra, 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 we'll call it extreme to the right, do not put any images of women at all in publications, nothing, just their name, barely, okay? Now, you have that on one side. But why? Because they think that, you know, if you look at, you know, if you look at an image of a woman, you're going to have bad thoughts and so on and so forth. So they want to eliminate any, any, any idea, any, like, possibility. possibility, even though it's not, it's not a woman's, it's not a woman's um, obligation, you know, to, to, to hide just because you can't control yourself. But on the other side, you have Netflix, okay? So, and I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but you have Netflix. So you have such two extremes. So, and then, then you have society, which wants to eliminate the idea of female altogether and call you it or, or, you know, they. So, Think about that trilogy. Birth bearer. Yeah, birth bearer. Okay, you know, all right. You know, uh, you know what I say to that? I, chal- I challenge the man now to have stage four uterine cancer, and then I'm talking to you, okay? I'm telling you who you are. But that's besides the point. So if you could think about that trilogy that's going on right now, that's suffocating the middle ground of a Jewish woman, is there's a lot of things going on that, we have to, that you have to deal with. So the answer to your question is I don't know, but I'm sure... It is a it is a um, aftermath of all these things going on, and these are powerful forces going on. I don't want to keep anything. I want to do whatever I want. Uh, you can't do anything. You don't exist. Uh, really? Okay. It's so confusing. Yes, it's very confusing. Which is why do your homework. Don't let this, this, or this tell you who you are. God wants you to find out who you are. Go stand tall, educate yourself, and find out who you are. And leave it Yeah, definitely that. Definitely both of those things. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. else is something, what do you think is, aside from digging your heels in and, you know, grabbing life by the horns and doing, making things happen, what else is something that you have learned in the last... I guess it's been a little over a year for life is life is too short to just sit and waddle, right? Sit and waddle. Like, I mean, I could, I could tell you something cliche, like, you know, live every day, like it's your last day. And I, you know, I can, you know, I can give you lots of Hallmark cards um, to, to, to go with with that. But the truth is, is that, what happens to you. Okay, that's one thing. But the other thing is, 
is that so when, I can't emphasize enough what it's like to surround yourself with like-minded people. You know that expression, you really are the total of the five friends that you are mm-hmm. around? It's very true. It's extremely true. If you are, if you know, if you are, un, you know, if this also comes from the ethics of the father, from Pierre Payavos, you know, you have to know who your neighbors are and you have to surround your, you know, to understand who you're surrounding yourself with. Because whatever it is that they have will rub off on you one way or the other, good or bad. So um, I, I, I really, really understand much better the power of my, of my prayer warriors, the, the power of the women that surrounded me. And, and, and made sure that I stayed grounded, nurtured, but extremely authentic, and then also supported that I could stand up and say, this is who I am. Well, it's sad and scary in those situations because you learn who, who you can count on. Some yes. people step up, step in, some people step out, and you realize who you can't count on. Exactly. But I've been through enough scenarios in my life that I know you know, um, you know, I've been, this is my fourth marriage. I've been divorced three times. Um, you know, I've had, I've had businesses do well, I've businesses fail. Um, so I, I know what that's like, uh, you know, fair weather friends or, you know, as my ex-father-in-law used to say to me, you know, some of these friends are just a check away. You write a check to their, you know, foundation or to their charity and they're your friends again. If you understand that that's not really real, then, then, you know, then you'll, then you'll get it, you'll get it in life. So, you know, writing the book and understanding that that might have been the last thing that I ever left was much more important than getting my financial assets in order. Right. Because, because that's fleeting. That stuff is like, oh, okay, you know, what, okay. But, but it's, it's really, what, what, did you, what did you give? What did you contribute to society? What did you do? What do you, what do you want to leave? What's the message you want to leave? What do, what do you want to be known for as opposed to, you know, I was a real estate broker. I was a lawyer. I was, a, you know, I was a fashion executive. I was this, I was that. And those are just titles and meaningless titles they leave. There's, you know, what did you do? Contribute. Yeah. What was your mission? What was your contribution? What was your passion? What was your purpose? And so, and, and that is like, you know, no, you know, to find your purpose and do it and surround yourself with the right people that understand how important your passion is and they believe in your purpose and they want to help you in your purpose definitely are you well i have two questions for you one the books or the book this specific book yes that one you you found your purpose in writing books are you planning to write another one and what kind of advice would you have and I don't know if it's to women, to men, or just life advice in general. You've been married. You said you're on your fourth marriage. You, this is my fourth and final. You know, like the basketball things, final four. Final. Okay. And you can make a joke about it. Some people won't even talk about it. No, I can make a it's my, my, my husband and I are both the same, the same uh, arithmetic. I'm four, he's four, and we're the final. We need that finish. Finish, final four, finish. What is something that you learned with that? Because I, I don't, I think I know people who maybe have been married and divorced two or three times. Oh, what did I learn from that? You know, I, 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 I had another podcast in which this, this, this was, um, 
this was addressed to me. You know what I learned? I know this, this might sound crazy, but I learned that I, was, I really was always good enough. I just had to find somebody that recognized me. Big. Yeah. That's super powerful. Yeah, it's easy now, especially with social media, to just not feel like enough. Well, you could enough. You can alter, you can alter yourself. Yeah, you that too. Enough. You could you could you could look your worst and with a few screens and a and a few you know whatever it is that you use you know filters. I'm sorry, a few filters yeah. on Instagram and you can you you don't even exist. Yeah, but that's the it's that's the problem. I know that is the problem. It is. And you know what? I, I don't I don't envy you guys because at least I, I you know I, I have a history inside my head. I remember what things are. So you know we you know we never thought that we would look you know and no one ever thought that they looked like at the time you know the cover of Vogue or the cover of you know Harper's or the cover of Vanity Fair and that was completely Photoshop but hand Photoshop um, or an ad campaign which was so obvious that it was Photoshop. Now you know unfortunately you do it to yourself. Um, be careful what you be careful what you wish for. But that goes back to the same essay that I spoke to you about. That God wants you to be in you know come to Him an imperfect self. You don't have to have a gazillion filters. And well, and what's perfect for that matter? No. The latest what, trend. You know what? You know what's perfect? Floyd. Yeah. Floyd. Yeah. I'd rather be. I you know I always say I'd rather be a damaged masterpiece than a complete perfect. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because my, my husband and I talk about this with having kids and everyone who's getting, you know, this and that and all these surgeries and whatever done. And it's like, it's almost scary for the kid because the kid, the girl, the daughter, the, whatever, the, the son comes out and says, why are you so pretty? And why am I not to the, the parents? Like if they don't look anything like the parents and it's like, how sad is that? You know, I, I really, I understand that, but as every, as in everything in life, and I can't tell you that I, I, I got Botox, I didn't do, I didn't do my nose when I was younger, and you know, I'm not going to lie, I mean, you know, I, I, I just had a, a huge party at my plastic surgeon's clinic on Fifth Avenue, and, and I, I love him dearly, but I also think he's an amazing plastic surgeon, but anything in life is all about moderation. Everything is all about that's really the key. You know what? I, I equate you give me you give me an example about raising kids. Okay, I have a daughter, you have kids, I have, you know, we are both mothers, we understand. If you raise your child where either side, either you say to him, you know what, everything you say to me, you cannot do. No. No. This is forbidden, this is forbidden, you can't, you can't, you can't. That's one side. On the other side, you say, do whatever you want. I'm behind you. You can do whatever you, you want to do that. Go. You want to do that? Go. Go. Do whatever you want. Now, what kind of child do you have on the other side? An asshole. Very messed up. Now, you know the biggest challenge as a mother is that balance. What battles do I choose today? Yes, yes. No, it's the same thing in a marriage, right? It's the same thing with anything. It's the same thing. What, how, do I, how do I stay on that surfboard? You know, either way, you're gonna you go either side, you're gonna drown. But and also, you know how else you're gonna drown if you pretend, you know, you put crazy glue on the bottom of your feet, you 
stay on the board, you're also going to drown because you're just pretending. So you got to do the work. You can't avoid the work. That's the problem. This generation, whatever it is, I, you know, again, I'm not going to go into any, any judgment or anything like that, but there's no way of avoiding the work. There's no way of avoiding the pain. There's no way of avoiding the lesson. There's no way of avoiding yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. You're right. It's that. It is truly that simple. I would. Did, I had someone on recently, and we were talking about that. How everything now is just you want it. It's you want it now. There, there's no. You just get it. Yeah. And it's really scary to have you know thinking about having kids and bringing them into this world and what's happening now. Well, you know that's why you don't. You, you also don't have to cave into it. Right. You could also, you also could not do it. You could also, you know, you could also say, I'm not doing this. I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what's best for my family. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to be the best that I can be so I could raise my children in the way that I want them to be raised. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, that's not going to work. And the work is getting and I, and listen, I'm so happy my daughter's 27 and well-grounded and I don't have to go through this anymore. But, you know, every every generation has its own issues and that in which you have to do that. But I'm such a firm believer in the, 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 the middle ground is the hardest place to be. And I, I really believe that's where God wants you to be because you actually have to think about it all the time because right. you have to make those decisions. So seek the middle ground. You don't balance. Like in yoga, you know, everything's balanced. Your life is the same way. Yeah, Stand you're absolutely right. You know, that, that's just the way it is. So that's my advice. I like it. I think it's absolutely on point. Thank you. Um, so one other thing real quick, unless you have anything else. You are saying your age, and you look incredible. Good surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> See? What can I say? No, but there is something to it. So yeah. <laughs> there is something to it in moderation, balance again. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what do you have to say? Tell me more about that with that. But also I'm curious with your, cause you're with your chemo, the, everything that you went through or, and, or just being, depending your level of Judaism, again, you just wear a wig. But you know what? I'll, 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 I'll dissect that question. No, it really wasn't a question. I'll dissect it anyway. Um, uh, underneath here is, I, you know, of course I wore, you know, I lost my hair. Um, I'm, you know, I, I'm happy that I have eyebrows and eyelashes. Grateful, really, really grateful. So um, I uh, actually, this was another, you know, you're giving me leeway to talk about the book. It's another essay in there where I challenge my own version of beauty. So I went through this because cancer, no matter what your religion is, will will attack your beauty. Mm-hmm. And uterine cancer or any you know female-related cancer attacks your inside and your outside because you know unfortunately you know if you have any malaria, which is in the area of the reproductive organs. Um, you know, this, this attacks your, you know, your purpose, your motherhood, you know, even though, even though I say that, you know, my kitchen was closed a long time ago, I still went through, I still went through an ordeal of the fact that, you know, that, that, that part of me is gone. 
that so it attacked the inner female in me and it attacked the outer female in me of you know losing you know my eyebrows losing eyelashes losing anything that you can hang on as to your external beauty so you get you get a dose of what's we'll call beauty reality or redefining beauty reality to anyone that goes through cancer. So that's that's something that which I talk about in you know in my book. I talk about, you know, what is you know, what is real beauty. You know, in, in, in Hebrew it means teferet, which means which is beauty. And beauty beauty actually means balance, which is which I found to be completely, you know, very, very interesting. Back to balance um, again. And that, you know, the importance of beauty. You know, the importance of beauty, even as God, you know, God refers to our, our mothers, you know, Sarah as being beautiful. Eve was the most beautiful woman that was ever created. Rachel was gorgeous. You know, Queen Esther, her beautification to become the queen. It, it, beauty is addressed. Joseph is beautiful. Beauty is addressed, even, you know, in Judaism. So it was like, oh, my God, I have to redefine myself. And you got to go really, really within to, to find it. It's, I... I, I I don't see that the process is very, very healing, but it's very, very difficult to do. Now, on the other hand, yes, do I wear a wig because, you know, because I, I cover my hair? Um, and then there's that whole other issue, you know, she's covering her hair, her hair looks better in a wig than it does, than, than it does when she, you know, had her hair. But I didn't always cover my hair. My hair, covering my hair was, I went a transition. I really didn't, I always wore my hair covered, you know, in synagogue. But um, outside of synagogue, I really didn't start covering my hair until after my last divorce, which I, you know, came to some awakening. But I can't tell you that it didn't come at great times in my life. You know, like you know, all of a sudden you go through, you know, you go through menopause, you're not gonna, you know, you have a lot way to deal with. You know, I can't tell you that. You know what? Hey, this this hair is a lot better than the hair I had, or you know, covering my elbows now, or covering this part. It's a lot easier to do now because it's not as attractive as it used to be. So I can't lie and tell you. I'm not going to lie and tell you. You know, I never wore a bathing suit. I worked for Victoria's Secret. I, I, I you know, I never. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't. You know, I didn't wear short skirts or I didn't. You know, I went through all those stages of my life. I just, you know, along the path. You know, hopefully people grow and hopefully you know you become wiser through the years. Now, should I say? Should I just say to everybody, well, please make the same mistakes I made? Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't that stupid? Uh, should, isn't, isn't it my job to actually say, you know, I made this mistake and I'm wiser and let me pass this on to you? Right. Big difference. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very curious about this. Um, you touched on it just a little bit about beauty and redefining it. Me. Yes, because I think that that is something that's big one. Yeah, and it, it's so it goes back to the filters and all the shenanigans that are happening in social media and you know these figures that or role models or whatever you want to call them that so many and this is obviously specifically for women. Yes, that women are specifically looking at, and it's really sad that they have they try to mimic these other people. Listen, that, you know, it's, it's my other plea as what we had spoken to before. Please stand your ground and be you. God didn't make any other person like you. 
relish in the fact that you're you instead of somebody else. I think this is such a good way to end. Even though I want to keep talking. Why my book? Okay, your website, your handle. My website, my website is um, thehouseoffaithandfashion.com. You can find me on Instagram at Toby Rubenstein or at the House of Faith and Fashion on Facebook. You can find me at Toby Rubenstein or the House of Faith and Fashion. Um, just find me. Yeah, very important. Um, yeah, very important. And be you. Be happy you're you. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. See you, Toby.